Amen. Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 12. And the fire. Everybody say fire. fire. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it and it shall not be put out. Somebody say, don't put out my fire. <laughs> and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Amen. I, I want to preach to you on the subject. Don't let Satan blow it out. Somebody say, don't let Satan blow it out. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. That song, This Little Light of Mine, was written long before I was a thought in anybody's imagination. All the way back to the 1920s was this song pinned to paper, This Little Light of Mine. Anybody remember that old song, that little nursery song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let's see, how much, let's see how much you remember that song. It said, hide it under a bushel. Hey, come on, y'all got it. I'm just making sure y'all hadn't backslid, you know. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. But really my favorite part of that song was when we sang, Don't let Satan... Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Amen. Don't let Satan blow it out. I, I, I talked briefly about that great prophet, John the Baptist, whom Jesus labeled as the greatest prophet that lived. What a great man this, this, this prophet was in a life that he led. He's known not just for his sacrifice and consecration, but yet not even just his prophecy, but his his humility. Because being such a great man of God, being such a great prophet, he had the submission, he had the humility to look at his cousin Jesus Christ and declare, Behold, the one who has come to take away the sins of the world. And one of his greatest, if not his greatest prophecies was when he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but, but he that's coming after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Can I just tell you something, and I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but just let me be a reminder because I really do feel a burden of the Lord upon me tonight, and I, I felt it uh, in the altar here this morning. And just want to let everybody know that if you come to East Wind Pentecostal Church, you're coming to a Holy Ghost and Fire Church. Let it be known. Let it be known. Let it be known. That this church will be a fire church. This church will be a Holy Ghost and fire 
church. And, and let me just remind you that we can't ever lose this fire of the Holy Ghost. Because it is this fire that separates us from everybody else who is satisfied living in the smoke. And I apologize for the insensitive reference to those that have suffered fires in their homes. We had a fire at youth camp last week in Illinois, but, but everything was worked out all right. At first I thought, well, it might be one of those Holy Ghost fires where the, the fire department's called and they show up and it's, it's just the Holy Ghost like they used to tell back in the old days, but it was a real fire. <laughs> but they got it, they got it taken care of, but, but did you know that in domestic fires that the number one killer is the smoke? It is the smoke where most people die. And I don't want to suffocate in the smoke. I don't want to compromise for the heat of the fire. Even if I can be saved in the heat. Even if I can be saved because of God's grace in the smoke. I don't want the smoke. Anybody heard of FOMO, fear of missing out? Me, me and Pastor, we, we share a, a commonality in our personality. We always have the fear of missing out. We might be tired. We might have gone 48 hours without sleep. But if somebody's getting together to do something, we want to be there. We don't always have to be the light of the party. We just want to be at the party. We just want to be there. And I, I don't want to miss out on what the fire of the Holy Ghost has for me and, and for my church and for my children. And I don't want to be satisfied in the smoke because if, if I'm satisfied in the smoke what's the next generation going to be satisfied with Amen, amen, amen. I'm so thankful to see the growth of this church, both spiritually and numerically. And when this church needs another building and maybe you go to plan another church somewhere, just be reminded that more than we need programs and we need programs and more than we need new facilities and we need new facilities and more than we might need new pews and new, new, new paint color. We always need more fire. Somebody say amen. Amen. There's just something about fire. And, and maybe you've read about some of the, the fires that are going on. Some in Canada. There's been some in Mexico. And we've even seen some of the smoke of that in Texas coming up from, from Mexico. And I remember being in Oregon in 2020 when we went to, we were driving throughout Oregon during that shutdown time. And, and the, the fires of Northern California, uh, was bringing in smoke into Oregon. And they were, it was a state of emergency. Don't go outside because of the smoke. It was the smoke that was so dangerous. I remember being in Australia. I've told this year before, I'm sure, but going there for their general conference in January of 2020, in fact, and, and arriving there in such a precarious situation, not knowing that Australia was under, under siege of a national wildfire. I mean, literally that had covered uh, most of that nation and billions of animals had died. Thousands of lives were taken and homes destroyed. And I remember getting off the plane and thinking, man, it smells like Outback Steakhouse out here. And didn't know that it was a forest fire. I had no idea. I don't read the Australia Times when I wake up in the morning. And, and I found myself at general conference while there was a wildfire going on throughout the nation. And I remember talking to ministers at that, at that national conference in Canberra in their capital city and I remember talking to some of them and, and them telling me the devastation that they've already experienced in their cities and some of them had already lost their homes to that fire in fact there were several couple, several couples that I spoke with who who said that they knew that 
coming to that general conference, they would risk losing their home before they could get back because the fires were encroaching upon their city and their neighborhoods. One minister found, uh, received a text message, a video, a warning and a caution from his neighbor saying, if you want to save your, your belongings, you better come home immediately because the fires have gotten into our neighborhood. And, and he sent back and said, we're not coming home. He told me, he said, we, we drove 15 hours to General Conference to see our two children filled with the Holy Ghost. He, he said, the fires can take our beds, the fires can take our toys, the fires can take our cars, but we have come here to see our children baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. And by the end of that conference, in fact, their kids were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it was a precarious situation. One of those days of that General Conference had to be completely canceled, suspended because smoke had filled the convention center and we could not go into the convention center, which reminds me of that, that story in Second Chronicles chapter 7, preceding the famous verse, verse 14, which says, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, I'll, forgive, or I'll heal their land. But preceding that verse 14, you find in verses 1 through 4 that, that the priests were going to the temple and they were going to church and they opened the door and they said, oh my goodness, there was a fire that filled the whole church. And it says they saw the fire coming down. And that's when they were relieved because natural fire goes up. Supernatural fire comes down. <laughs> and they said, this fire is coming down. And, and, and one, one verse uh, refers to this fire as the glory of God. That this was God's glory that had filled that entire church. Man, what? I mean, what? What a what an amazing church service that might that that would be if you were on your way to church and and you turned down this road here and all of a sudden you you saw the the flames of a fire on top of the building but when you looked a little bit closer you said hang on honey you don't don't call nine one one the the fire's coming down not going up you said woo we're not going to do our two songs and offering and two songs and announcements and and another song and a preaching and a little sermon and we're not going to get to go through our little schedule and agenda today because the fire of God is coming down you might not get to sit in your little assigned seat tonight because the fire is coming down you might not get to sing the solo tonight because God's got the solo tonight the fire is coming down I want the fire of the Holy Ghost. That's why I love this church. That you've got a schedule, but your schedule is plan B. Plan A is God let the fire show up. We don't even have to sing a song. We don't even have to go through our agenda. Just let the fire fall in our church. This church is not guilty of this, but I've noticed apostolic churches around our movement in some, some instances who are trying to replicate the programs of the world to entice lost young people. And it's almost silly because we can't match the programs of the world. We don't have Hollywood's money and resources. And when we try to do it like them, it's, we're going to look foolish. And I've been to some events where they were trying to replicate the programs of the world. Our programs are never going to outdo Disney World. I'm sorry. But our programs are just not going to match up to Mickey Mouse. 
That's why we're not having revival based off a program. We have many programs. You need to get involved. But our programs are not to save you. Our programs of teaching and discipleship, they're here to ground you. And they may be here for fellowship, and we need all of those. I'm trying to get more programs at our church that we've just planted. And I'm trying to figure out what churches are doing. But more than all of that, if we lose the fire of the Holy Ghost, the programs are obsolete. Our efforts of entertainment will never outdo Hollywood. We don't need more all-stars. We need more people who are full of the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm thankful for the talent. I was standing here tonight, and maybe it's because I'm in a church plan, and I was just sitting here almost drooling, thinking, man, if I just had her and him, wow, we finally have good church, you know. If I just had somebody that could hit the right note, I can't hit the right note. And sometimes, sometimes we, we got four people on all different, four different keys at the same time. I'm like, wow, we are talented. Amen. And I'm the worst one. My God, if I got a microphone and started singing, we'd split, we'd split hell wide open. Amen. Hallelujah. But we don't need more talent more than we need the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen, 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 amen. I want the Holy Ghost and fire. I don't want the smoke. I don't want the heat. Remember, it was Paul in Acts 28 who had just gone through a shipwreck and gotten to the bank. And he began to build a fire. And the Bible says that a viper, a snake, came out from the heat. It didn't come out of the fire. It came out of the heat of the fire and latched onto his arm. Because as soon as you dedicate your life to building fire, in the kingdom of God all of hell is going to be alerted he's a fire builder he's, he's not somebody that's sat, satisfied in the smoke he's a fire builder the viper came out and latched onto his arm and the Bible says in order to kill the snake he shook it off not back into the heat he shook it off in the fire. That's why we need the fire. Because when people come in off the streets, again, we need programs. Give away turkeys for Thanksgiving. Give away backpacks for back to school rallies. Give away bicycles in the summer. Do whatever you can do to attract somebody. But a bicycle isn't going to save a marriage. A turkey dinner isn't going to deliver a backslidden son. A backpack is not going to get anybody off of drugs. There's only one thing that can do that. And that's the Holy Ghost and fire. I've recently been challenged being a father been challenged by the story we find in Genesis chapter 22 Abraham is now over a hundred years old scholars say that he was uh, in in the ballpark of 115 to 125 years old I think we're safe in this house tonight to say that's old now we're talking about 70 year olds I might have to be careful anything above 35 is old to me but we can all agree 115 or 125 that's old he ate at Luby's. Y'all have Luby's? Oh, that's a Texas thing. That's one of those old people cafeterias. You know, the food's so soft, you can take your dentures out and chew it up. I'll probably be eating there not, you know, before long. Amen. I was at this old restaurant two weeks ago. This old person restaurant a couple weeks ago. And I liked it. You go in this restaurant, and, and I, I was at another youth camp, and they took me to this restaurant. And man, it was like, it was like the, the, the walker-a-thon Everybody outside had a walker but me. I thought I'm missing out or something. 
And you sit at this round table, eight people at a time. You, know, you might not be sitting with people you even know. And you're sitting at a round table. I thought, where's the menus? And next thing I know, they didn't bring a menu. They brought all the food. And it was just, it was fried chicken. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make y'all hungry. Fried chicken and collard greens and, and green beans and, and black-eyed peas and mashed potatoes. And, and they just put it on a lazy Susan. And you know America's got a problem when we got to put our food on a lazy Susan. We can't even say, pass me, that we just go, like we're dealing cards and just spins, like Wheel of Fortune, just, chicken. <laughs> and then I got nervous. I said, all the food is about gone. They brought more food. <laughs> it was, I didn't realize, this is a buffet? Man, I want to be old and come to this place all the time. I loved it. Abraham was old. He was at least 115 years old. And, and now he's had a son. Scholars, I've, I've read, I don't know, I'm not a scholar, but I, I've read some of their stuff. And, and they say that they put Isaac somewhere in the ballpark between 12 and 37 years old. Now, most of them agree that he was probably about a teenager. Now, this is where my burden comes, and I feel it's a burden of the Lord, Pastor. As I was praying this, this morning throughout the altar, man, I stopped right here, just stopped in my tracks, and I felt the burden of God come over me. And God said, I'm burdened for the next generation. I'm burdened for these young people. I was so blessed to see these kids. I hadn't, I hadn't seen that. Y'all do that. The kids fill up these first few rows, and they were out there dancing and shouting. And, and at the end, they were out here in the altar crying and speaking with tongues and praying for each other that really blessed me and i'm thankful for our youth here tonight and and i'm thankful for the next generation that is here with us tonight i'm so glad you're in church and because of this burden i feel to go to this this story of when god tested abraham in genesis 22 and the bible says that after these things had passed god tested him and said to him abraham he, and abraham said here i am and and god said to him take now your son your own only son Isaac, the one who you love. It was like God was pouring salt on his wounds a little bit when he, when he said that and the way he said it. He said, take your son. He had already had, he had already had the illegitimate son over here, but now he had the promised son, Isaac. And God said, take your son, your only son, the one whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. About 80 or so years before this, Abraham had been tested before when he was told to leave his family's house. His daddy had just died. And now he had taken the responsibility to take care of his widow mother. And while he's take care, taking care of her, God richly blessed him. He had a big old mansion. He had all sorts of cattle and everything there provided for them. And God spoke to him in Genesis 12 and said, leave your family. Leave all of this. Leave your comfort. Leave your convenience. He said to him, and go to a land that I will show you. He said, go. You're not going to know where you're going, but I'll show you. I'll show you where to go if you'll just walk by faith and not by sight. And he said, if you'll go, and when you arrive at the land I tell you of, he said, there I will make your name great. I will bless you. He said, I will bring out of you multitudes of nations. I will make you the father of many nations. And those that bless you, I will bless. And those that curse you, I will curse. 
And now for 80 plus years, he's been walking by faith, walking by faith, walking by faith. He's now 115 years old. And God says the test ain't over yet. My God, you would think at 115, I'm, I'm the daddy of all nations that will come through my lineage, my bloodline and be saved. Even the Gentiles that don't come from my biology, they will be grafted into my promise. And I'm 115. Let me polish my dentures and enjoy the fruits of my labor. God said, no, 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 I've got more to test because with every test and trial comes another dimension of grace and anointing and power. I've got more for you. I just want to ask everybody, is is there a point of arrival for you where God can't test you anymore? Or is this an unquenchable fire in you that says, God, I want more. I might have the Holy Ghost raised in Pentecost, baptized in Jesus' name, traveled the world, seen thousands filled with the Holy Ghost. But I want more of you. Yeah, yeah, there's always more. As long as you've got breath in this life, there's always more. Because sacrifice is never stagnant. He says, let me test you. Take your son, your only son, the one you love, and give him there as a burnt offering to me. You see, God was testing Abraham to see, will you serve me the way pagans serve false gods? Will you do for the real God what pagan worshipers are doing for the false gods? Because in this day, pagan worshipers were giving their children to these idols, these false gods, these figments of their imagination that did not exist, that had no power, that had no love, no grace, and no plan in motion of a crucifixion. And yet they were sacrificing their babies to these idols. And God said, I just want to know if I found somebody that will be willing to worship the real God the way they worship the false God. You see, God, if he gives you a promise, he can prove that promise. He can test that spirit in us. And I'm so thankful that God has tested me. Are you thankful that God has tested you? Sometimes God has asked me many times throughout my life. He has said, will you serve me the way you used to serve false gods? I never had any statues of idols, but I did have idols in my life. You know my story. I played baseball from the time I was four every day. I mean, places like Florida and Texas, you can play year round. And that's what I did. I played year round. And it was every day, every day, every day, every day. My father was living vicariously through his sons. And so we were playing baseball every day from the time we were four. Went to college on a baseball scholarship to play. And when I got to college, it was real. We had, we had workouts every morning at 6 a.m. until 8 a.m. 
a.m. Went to breakfast, went to class for a couple of hours, went to the baseball field at 1, practice from 1 to 6 or 1 to 7, get it some dinner, and then go back to the weight room and do some more heavy lifting, and then go home, do a little homework, or pay somebody to do your homework, either way, and then, and then get a little rest, wake up at 5 a.m., do it all over again. I'm exhausted just telling you that. I don't know how. How did we have that much energy when we were 17, 18, 19, 20? How in God's name? Oh, I just drive by the gym and get tired. That's why I need to go to Lazy Susan restaurants now. And I gave everything I had. To that false god of pride and greed and vanity of the dream I had in my mind. And God, when I finally gave my life to Jesus, when I finally accepted the call to follow Him, it was as if God said, okay, will you do for me what you did for them? Will you do for God what you did for gold? And sometimes, and I'm not going to get on a candy stick. I'm already off here for a second. But I, I just, I, my son, you know, we, we have fun. I'm, I'm a seven. Apparently, my wife does that witchcraft, Enneagram stuff, personality stuff, whatever. And apparently, I'm a seven. And, and I like to have fun. And fun trumps everything, you know. I like to have fun. Amen. I, I'm all about the fun. And I have to consecrate that in me. I have to give that to God because I want to have fun. And I, I found a scripture in Ecclesiastes. I'll paraphrase a little bit. But in Ecclesiastes, he, Solomon basically says, in my version at least, the way I read it was, he said, if you can't do it and enjoy it, then why do it at all? Put that one on my forehead. I said, yeah, he liked to have fun too. Hallelujah. And so there's some things, of course, that I do with my children. We have fun. I, I got back to the apartment and had about an hour to prepare, and they wanted to throw the ball. And so I'm like, okay, study, pray, or throw the ball with my kids. And I was like kind of torn, you know, trying to read a verse. And Okay, okay, trying to read a verse. Because I like to have fun with my babies. Amen. But more than anything else, I want my children to know about the Holy Ghost and fire. He said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and offer him, sacrifice him, kill him, serve me the way pagans are serving their gods. And so watch Abraham's response in verse 3. It says, Abraham rose early in the morning. I don't know about you, but I don't like to rise early in the morning. Especially not when that day I'm going to be putting my son on the altar. If I was going to snooze a day, that would be the day. But Abraham, he knew about the fire. He knew about the power of the altar. And when God tested him with his greatest test, he didn't snooze. He rose early in the morning. He showed God, I'm submitted to the process. I'm submitted to the call. I don't just want the promise of a father of many nations. I don't want just the lamb flowing with milk and honey. I'm submitted to the process. So he rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. Donkey, parents are glad I chose the new King James for that reason right there, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering. He chopped the wood for the burnt offering. Now, check this out. This is so crazy to me because Abraham knew how to chop wood. He probably did it every day. He knew he had to teach his servants how to chop wood. But this day, he didn't put the axe in his servants' hands. This day, every 
time that sharp axe head came in contact with that piece of lumber, he could hear the cries of his son. Because this was the wood that would be the fuel for the fire that would sacrifice his son. He chopped that wood faithfully. The Bible says he arose and went to the place which God had told him. Remember, he didn't know where he was going. He just said, go to the land of Moriah. And when you walk, I'll show you where it is. Just want to see if you can still walk by faith. The next verse says, then on the third day. That makes me mad. Three days later. Seen that meme of Spongebob? Three days later. Can, can you believe this? What kind of audacity does God have? I'm 115. I'm the father of many nations. I left my mama when she lost her husband. My God, I've done everything you've asked me to do. Outside of a couple little white lies about my wife. I've been just about perfect. They're going to sing songs about me in 2,000 years saying, I am a friend of God. And you're going to make me, number one, kill my son. But number two, you're going to make me walk with this dead man living, this dead son living for three days? I won't even fast for three days. My God. See, I, I, want, I want the fast promise. I, I, I want the microwave miracle. I, I, I've said those words, those, those fatal words of God. When I'm desperate, I've said those words like you said, God, I'll pray until. And God says, really? Okay, we'll test that until. Three hours later, I'm at Popeye's getting chicken. Well, I fasted. I fasted the first half of lunch. Oh, y'all don't want to get real with me. But God, I, I, I fasted all day not eating my fingernails. What you talking about, God? Three days? Was it not enough? I got up early in the morning, chopped the wood, and then said, come on, Isaac, let's go. I mean, you should have told me immediately with how much consecration I showed you. And God said, I'll really test you. I'll put you to the test. Let me just tell you all real quick. After a few hours, I would have been questioning, was that God? How many of you have left the altar knowing it was God? Get in the car, and then there's a long line at Starbucks. You lose the Holy Ghost and lost the feeling. I don't know if that was God, baby. Oh, I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. After a few hours of wandering, he's got messengers with him. And, and they're, they're probably saying, hey, Abraham, where are we going? Just keep walking. Hey, hey, Dad, where are we going? Just keep walking. After one day, after 24 hours, I would have said, hey, call Mom and have her pray because I'm not sure if I heard God. He said, no, I heard God. I know it was the toughest words of direction I've ever heard. And I, I don't know how many days it's going to be. I mean, I've been walking for 115 years. If it's another 100 years, I'm going to keep on walking. I'm going to be faithful. 48 hours. Still no direction, no voice, no goosebump, no feeling, no choir, no Sunday night praise break. Just keep on walking. Just keep being faithful. 72 hours later, the voice comes back. And says, that's where. He tells 
the messengers, the famous statement found in verse 5. Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I are going up yonder to worship. And we will come back to you. I haven't even gotten to my sermon yet, but this is so good. Because he tells his servants, he says, this ain't a sacrifice. I'm going to worship God. Every obedience is not a sacrifice. You see, a sacrifice is when you give and receive nothing in return. But truly in the kingdom of God, what is a sacrifice? If you give a million dollars, but you receive the cattle on a thousand hills. If you give God a 40-day fast, but God gives you a revival. If you give God an hour a day of prayer, but God gives you eternity in heaven, what really is a sacrifice? I would to God in my spirit. I would never walk around and say, well, God asked me to sacrifice this. No, but instead I would say, God's letting me worship. God's letting me praise. God's going to let me see him like I've never seen him before. And I love the fact that Abraham was a prophet, but you don't really see it much until this moment uh, that there was a gifting of prophecy in him uh, that was never activated uh, until his perspective changed from sacrifice to worship. When his perspective changed and said, when I give, it's not a sacrifice, it's a worship. All of a sudden, a prophetic utterance began to stir up in him and he burped out that prophecy. We're coming back. I said, we're coming back. I don't know how, but we're coming back. I don't know how, but God's going to show up. I wish somebody would take 30 seconds and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You ought to worship till that gifting stirs up in you. You ought to worship till a prophetic utterance is activated in you. I'm not, verse 6 is my sermon, hadn't even got there yet. We're on verse 5. But I just feel a Holy Ghost intervention right here. You see, somebody might say, why are you worshiping? Your son's on death row. I'm worshiping until I get a prophetic utterance from God. I'm not worshiping because I know the outcome. I'm worshiping because I know the one who's on the throne. And the only way I'm going to make it through Mariah is when I worship my master with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. Don't you criticize my worship. I said, don't you criticize my worship. Don't you ridicule my praise. Don't you make fun of me when I run the aisles. I'm running out of faith. I'm running in desperation. I'm shouting because I don't know how it's going to work out. But he still deserves my praise. Now, 
I wish somebody would say this with me. Don't let Satan blow it out. The next verse says, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac's shoulders. And he took the fire in his hand. And the two of them went together. Do you all have that in the NLT? Verse 6 says, Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked on together. You see, Isaac wasn't ready to carry the fire, but he was ready to carry the fuel. He said, Isaac, you're not quite ready to carry this fire. But you are ready to know how this fire is going to be built. It's a tragedy. We've seen it a few times in our travels. I go as far away from America so y'all don't get offended. We were at a third world country, island. I mean, way across the world. And uh, we we had these revival services outdoors. It was just me and my newlywed wife. We we weren't married more than a month. That might have given away where we were because I've told the stories of where we were after we got married. But it's all right. You don't know the island. And uh, we had these outdoor services. And while we're having church, all the teenagers over here kicking the soccer ball. I thought I honestly thought they're just knucklehead kids from the neighborhood. Then I found out they were pastor's kids and saints' kids, that they were all raised in the church. And what the tragedy was really is when I finished preaching, I would watch mamas get up and go grab their sons and daughters by the hand and bring them over to me and say, okay, preacher, pray them through to the Holy Ghost. I was like, what? I was like, I can't give them the fire if they've never carried the wood. Now, I'm preaching this because I, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not saying this happens here. But I've seen in other places and I'm trying to be careful as a father myself. I've been convicted already. God's saying, be careful. Don't you put that garbage in his life. And then he not know how to build a fire and you blame the preacher. The Lord has convicted me as a father. Saying, Levi, he's not old enough to carry the fire yet. But I am going to give him the wood. And say, Levi, there's a certain way a fire's got to be built. Now, how many of you in your home, like me, you got one of those new age charismatic fires? This is how you build that fire in our living room. Go like this. It's a light switch. 
Apparently it's a real fire, I guess. I don't know. I've never touched it, but it does put out a little heat from this vent up here. You can't get close. There's a glass shield. There's some type of weird wood that just don't burn. But it's easy. Didn't get dirty. Didn't take any time. There's no risk. You're not going to get burned. It's seeker friendly. Not everybody likes a real fire. I got allergies. Can't, can't be around that. My wife, you know, she's like, every time I sit down, the smoke blows in my face. I move over here and the smoke goes over there. You know what I'm talking about? Real fires demand a sacrifice. Real fires take time. Got to get your hands dirty. You smell like smoke for days. Two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, I came home from Georgia Youth Camp. I landed at like lunchtime. My dad was watching Levi and Jackson. And, and uh, I was hungry, you know. I had been at a camp, youth camp all week. I hadn't eaten. Been on a fast all week. <laughs> that was a jo- I wasn't fasting. I was just staying away from that camp food. I get home and I was really, real hungry. I don't know if y'all have this place here in Florida. It seems like a place... In Florida should have. It's called Cabo Bob's. Man, that's like, Florida should have a place called Cabo Bob's. It's the best burrito in the world. I was just introduced to it. I just got saved a few months ago. My brother took me to Cabo Bob's. He said, man, forget Chipotle. We're going to this new place called Cabo Bob's. I'm telling you, it was the best. We go like twice a week now. Now my kids are addicted to it. And why it's so good. You know why it's so good? It's because right there, it's kind of like Chipotle where you got the line, you know, and you kind of give them all the ingredients, the customized stuff. But right behind the line where they got all the food, they're cooking the steak and the chicken and the pork and all the good stuff on a real fire with a wood fire right there. They've got all these grills right there, just like four grills with wood fires, and they're cooking those things on a real wood fire. Woo! It's good. And so I was like, okay, I know Levi's addicted to this place, and if he knows I went here without him, he's going to get mad. So I got in the car to drive to pick him up, and I ate that burrito like this. just It was gone like that. I was like, okay, no remnants, threw the trash away. No evidence. I walk into my dad's house and my kids are running around. I sit down. I was there less than two minutes. Levi comes and gives me a hug. He says, Dad, you smell like fire. I feel like preaching that. I want my sons to know when their daddy's been in the fire. (laughs) I want my sons to know, uh, hey, uh, my daddy's in the prayer room for a little bit. Uh, He's speaking funny things. Uh, He's meeting with the Holy Ghost in fire. Uh, I don't want my sons to ever question, what is that stuff? Uh, I want my sons to know that their mama and daddy have been in the fire. I showed my, I showed Levi a picture of when I was young and strong. And, and immediately he said, Dad, how'd you lose all your muscles? 
I want my son to know I could throw a baseball and I want my son to know I graduated from college and here's my degree. And I want my son to know some of those things, but more than that, I want him to know his daddy knows how to build a fire. Don't get me wrong. I want my son to know how to throw a baseball and throw a perfect spiral with a football and do it the right way. You know, I don't want this throwing with the right hand, stepping with the right foot stuff. That's a bunch of nonsense. I want them to throw it just right. I want them to know how to, how to bait a hook. I don't even know how to do that. One day when I get my buck, I want him to kill a buck. And maybe one day we'll get one of them alligators too, pastor. I want him to have all of that. And I want you to, I want you to study and I want you to be able to spell all the right words correctly. And I want you to get straight A's and make eight million dollars and give me your tithes. Amen. And, and I want him to know all that stuff. And I want him to, I want him to have a good time but more than all that ah son here's the wood this is the fuel for the fire i want them to know listen to me i want them to know there's a difference from the electrical fire that you flip with the finger and the fire that takes an hour to build and gets a It might be easier to flip that switch, but that's not how we live, baby. We've got the real fire. It might burn some people, but it saves a lot more people than it burns. This fire is what saved me. This fire is what delivered me. This fire is what carried me. I want to teach my son uh, this little light of mine. uh, I'm going to let it shine. Uh, Hide it under a bushel. No, uh, I'm going to let it shine. Uh, Don't let Satan blow. I feel this is God's burden. I told you, as I'm in the altar, I just felt it come over me that this is God's burden. Because I've, I've had the privilege, I'm not bragging or anything, but I've had the privilege of doing many youth events and youth rallies, conferences, etc. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just telling you my perspective that since COVID, there's been a shift. That ever since 2020, there's been a shift. And I've gone, I've talked to other friends. Brother Dylan Morgan, we've talked about this. I've talked to other preachers who have the opportunity to travel and minister to this next generation that I believe is going to do more than I've ever even imagined. But we have seen in our travels dead atmosphere after dead atmosphere. We've seen more of these seeker-friendly electrical fires going on. We've seen this kind of stuff happening from place to place. And it's been a burden of the Lord upon me to say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to water down the fire. I'm not going to let you suffocate in the smoke. I'm going to teach you how to carry the fuel. 
Son, and I'm not preaching, I'm talking to me right now. I'm not going to hand you, I'm not going to hand you this 24 hours a day. And then when you turn 18, say, I hope you know how to build a fire. No, I'm not going to show you everything this world has to offer in entertainment. And then say, okay, let's have a move of God. No, I'm going to take you, I'm going to wake you up early in the morning. And I'm going to teach you how to put the wood together. I'm going to teach you how to kindle the fire. And I'm going to show you there's some things. Things that want to snuff out your fire. There's some things that want to quench your fire. But if you just keep praying, if you just keep worshiping, the fire of God will grow. Somebody lift your hands in this place for a moment. I'm so thankful to know a pastor and a pastor's wife who have exposed their kids to the Holy Ghost fires around the world. I've got my brother-in-law, Darrell, who's our youth leader, 20 years old, going with us to Madagascar. And just to prove to everybody how much I love your pastor, I'm backsliding for him. And I'm going to fly on Delta to Madagascar instead of United Pentecostal Church Airlines. Guess he's afraid some of y'all might backslide if a man of God's not on the plane with you. I'm kidding. But I was showing Darrell some pictures of our crusades, Brother Myers. I said, here, here's Malawi. Here's Bangladesh. I was showing him some pictures, getting that fire kindled in him. He's never been overseas. And I said, look, look, look. This is Brother Meyer's daughter. When she was about nine or ten years old, she's got her hands on two adult people, praying them through to the Holy Ghost. And I've made up in my mind, I'm not going to wait until they graduate and get married to show them the fire. I'm not going to say, no, they're too young to know how to speak in tongues. I'm not going to say it's too early for them to know about fasting, about prayer, about the doctrine. I'm going to say, Levi, here it is, son. You You can change a life. You can turn your world upside down. Let me just go a little bit further and I'm almost done. We've got to teach them how to build the fire and what keeps the fire going. For it was one of the 613 laws. It wasn't one of the top 10 commandments. But it was one of the 613 commandments that God said, Don't let the fire go out. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a Sunday night sermon. It was a commandment of God. Don't let the fire go out. And one of the pillars of that foundation of commandments we find in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and 4 that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. If you continue reading, if you continue reading in verse 6 from the NLT, watch what it says. It says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again. And again to your children Talk about them when you're at home And when you're on the road When you're going to bed And when you're getting up Tie them to your hands And wear them on your forehead as reminders Write them on the doorpost of your house And on your gates Now like you I say But man My my son's already asking We got to go over Acts 2.38 again We got to pray again 
And every now and then you kind of see them faking it just to kind of get through it, you know, and that's okay. I'd rather you fake this than fake something else. I'd rather, I'd rather you just say, go through the motions than going through the motions out there. Amen. And he said, Dad, again? Watch what, watch what God said in Deuteronomy 6 and 20. In the future, your kids are going to ask you, what's the meaning of this? What's the meaning of these laws and decrees and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? Then you must tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. (laughs) But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with His strong hand. The Lord! did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. One day your kids will say, Acts 2.38 again. Acts 4.12 again. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 and 4 again. What's the meaning? Sunday morning and Sunday night. I love reading these Pentecostal pioneer books. I'm reading through them like over and over and over trying to, because it kind of just, when I start sucking my thumb and saying, man, I'm just working so hard. I read one of these books, I think, I ain't done nothing. I'm going through the book, Korean Frontier, for the second time. It's the story of our general superintendent, David Bernard, his parents, and how they turned Korea upside down. But in that first chapter, it tells us that this is Brother Bernard's parents, Elton, Elton Bernard, and he was one of eight kids. And his, his, his mother was Methodist, his, do- his father was, was Catholic, and they, they've heard about this revival going on in Louisiana. And every night for two years, they took those eight kids and walked five miles every night to church. He said, most nights we wouldn't leave till three in the morning. He said, we would walk back home. We would get home just in time for our dad to change and go to work. The only sleep he got is when he came home from work, took a nap, and then got up, ate dinner, walked five miles to church. Walked five miles back home with eight kids. God help me. If I don't have a nice SUV with, you know, all the entertainment just to say, kids, stop asking if we're almost there. He was doing that on the way to church. Are we almost there? And then we got in the office and as a joke, we were in your office. He said, Dad, are we almost there? <laughs> it just never stops. Walking five miles to and from every night for two years. The kids say, again? Yeah, again. Why? Because I used to be lost. We used to be the slaves of Pharaoh. I used to be a slave to addiction. I used to be addicted to meth. I used to be addicted to crack and cocaine. And I used to be messed up with alcohol. And I used to be this and that and the other. But God showed up. But God came into my life. I was born again of the water and of the Spirit. And son, I can't water this down. We've got to keep the fire burning in us. My son don't have the Holy Ghost yet. He's gotten close. He's real close. He came running into my room a couple months ago and said the Holy Ghost came into his room and he was crying. And I'm thankful for that. I'm ready for him to get the Holy Ghost. And I can't secure his salvation. You can't secure your kid's salvation. You can't secure anybody's salvation. But while I've got a chance, I'm going to keep putting the wood in his hands and saying, buddy, this is the fuel. This is what builds the fire. I'm thankful that he's seen us evangelize and travel the world. And most pictures we show him, he said, I don't remember that. 
I don't remember that, but it's in there somewhere. I'm thankful that he's witnessing us plant a church and, and go through the struggles of trying to build a church and, and trying to figure out how to build a new fire in this area. There's never been a fire before. I'm thankful that he sees the things that us apostolic people get to see. Just uh, just six or eight weeks ago, uh, we were a hundred miles north of here in Palm Coast, and Levi was with me. And on Sunday morning, we're headed to church to preach, and we walk out of the hotel room, and I'm turning left to go to the elevator, and I I, I hear a housekeeper to my right, and I just turned around and greeted her. I said, "Good morning, ma'am. God bless you." And I started walking away, and I I just felt checked in my spirit. I said, "Hey." I said, do you need anything from God? I'm heading to church. I could take your prayer request to church with me. And she starts walking at me with like the eye of the tiger. And I kind of put Levi in front of me like. No, I didn't do that. That was evangelistically speaking. And I'm standing there and she comes up to me and she, she had a button down shirt like this. A hotel issued shirt, you know. She just goes like that with her neck. And she says, look, I've got a big old growth on my neck. Could you go pray that God will heal this growth on my neck? They don't know if it's cancerous or not. I said, well, we can pray for you right here, didn't we, buddy? I said, let's pray for her right now. I laid my hand right on her neck right there. And we just said, in the name of Jesus, I command this growth to disappear right now. And right in front of his eyes and right under my hand, that growth shrunk up and disappeared. She said, it's gone. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. My God, we were so, we were like, we felt like somebody had just pumped us full of Holy Ghost steroids. Uh, we got to the church service and I said, man, everybody's getting healed today. Get your dog, get your cat, uh, get your mama, get your daddy. Uh, everybody's getting healed today. Uh, we had a first time visitor couple uh, who was there and, and this guy had tattoos from his head to his feet. He had a white tank top on uh, and he had type 2 diabetes. Uh, they were, they were already, they had already scheduled to amputate his right leg the next week. Uh, this was his first time in church. His son attends this church faithfully and is on the praise team. And I didn't know one of those details until after church. But when we had the altar call, he was filled with the Holy Ghost, him and his wife. He was sitting down. He couldn't put any weight on his right leg. His son said he hadn't walked in over a week. And I'm standing there praying him through to the Holy Ghost. He gets the Holy Ghost. I start to walk away and I thought, wait a second. Such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I put his arm around my neck like this. I said, Hey man, get up real quick. He's hobbling on his left leg like that. I said, let's take a walk. And we start walking across the altar. And I said, every step you take, say these words. I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed in Jesus' name. It seemed kind of foolish at first when we're pushing everybody out of the way so this crippled man can walk by. We got to this side of the altar. And I said, let's turn around and go back. When we turned around, he caught his weight. He took his arm off my back. He said, I got it. He started walking like this and said, I'm healed. I said, I told him, I said, I, I, know, you're, I know you're not a, a, a platform guidelines here, white tank top. I said, get up here with me. He walks across the platform and said, I'm healed in Jesus' name. We baptized him and his wife in Jesus' name. That's when his son came running up to me and said, you don't understand. He's not walking over a year. They're supposed to amputate his leg next week. But the fire showed up. The fire showed up. I said, the fire, the Holy Ghost, and fire.
That's what I want our children to see. I want them to know the fire. I want them to know that the Holy Ghost and fire is real. I wish you'd stand to your feet and lift up your hands for a moment and say, God, don't let me lose the fire. I want the fire of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to let Satan blow out this fire. I'm not going to let politics intimidate this fire. I'm not going to let anybody or anything water down the fire of the Holy Ghost. I, at the last two years of youth camps I've done, I've sat on the edge of platforms, edge of altars, whatever, and, and I'm not, I'm not making this up. As a line of kids will get in front of me, and I understand I'm kind of fresh meat. They want someone to talk to. Some of their stories are like, okay, you know, they lost their cat or something. You know, that's that's a real that's a real problem, but. Not if it's a cat, you know, it's like, you know, we'll pray that you get a dog in place of it, you know. You know, some of them are just kids, you know, wanting to talk to the preacher. But I, I've, I've gotten a pen and paper, started writing down, because I'm hearing things I've never heard from teenagers before. On these pieces of paper... It's suicide, 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 suicide. Thirteen-year-olds telling me I've been diagnosed with anxiety disorder. Thirteen with anxiety. You shouldn't even be, be able to spell the word. Gender confusion. Depression. At one youth camp. It's a Pentecostal youth camp. They found two kids trying to commit suicide during the youth camp. One of them had the, the, the noose around his neck. And they heard the struggle for air. Someone went running and heard the struggle. Someone struggling, they went and ran. They picked him up just in time to save his life at a youth camp. Bible says that he's accusing accusing us day and night because he knows that he has but a short time I remember when I was I had walked away from the fire of God in my life I was in college backslidden and would come home Saturday night just in, with enough time to sober up so I could play the drums on Sunday morning at church but one night, my dad, who's now had over 150 surgeries on his body after falling five stories to concrete, the top neurosurgeon just told him, we can't do anything else for you. Some of them have said he's dying. But I remember when I was 20 years old, backslidden, in bed, it's three in the morning, and I hear footsteps in my room. And it was my dad walking the floor of my room and he started polite, trying not to wake me up. I heard him saying, in the name of Jesus, I cover my son. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. 
But after a few minutes, he wasn't polite anymore. And I remember when he got mad. And he stopped talking to Jesus and he started talking to the devil. And I remember when he said, devil, I want you to hear me and I want you to hear me good. When my son was a baby, I put him on the altar. And he belongs to God. So you might as well let go right now. Because you're going to regret the day you ever messed with my baby. Uh, Because he's going to do something great for God. Uh, He's going to be used by God. Uh, He's going to be saved. Uh, He's going to be saved. Uh, And he's going to do something great for God. And I'm here to let you know that the blood still works. I'm here to let you know that the fire still falls. I'm here to let you know that as long as your child is alive, the fire can still reach them. And I know I'm talking to some parents that have might have felt conviction uh, who say, well, I messed up when they were a child. It's all right. The fire still falls. The fire still falls. You can call that fire down from heaven wherever they might be across the world. In a bar, in darkness, with suicidal thinking. You can call that fire down from heaven. I wonder if there's a mother or father. I wonder if there's somebody in this place that wants to come to this altar right now. And lift up your hands and say, God, I want the fire of the Holy Ghost in my life to burn. I don't want compromise. I don't want it watered down. I want the Holy Ghost in fire. I don't want it easy. I want the real fire that delivers and heals and transforms. God, I want that fire to burn on my children. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. This is what I feel to do. This is what I want to do right now. I I want to take a step of faith. And I want all of our 30 and under crowd in this room, I want you to come up and put your feet on this platform all the way at the altar. Everybody else scoot back. Everybody 30 and under here. And I want you to get as close as you can to this altar. Stretch out all over this room right here. Would you come? Come on, come on, come on, young people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. The enemy's not going to win this fight. The enemy's not going to win this fight. Come here, buddy. Come here, Levi. Come up here. I've had this little six-year-old boy come into our room in the middle of the night tell us of demonic spirits walking around his room. Having dreams, dreams that I don't even want to say over this microphone that when he was four and five years old having dreams of demonic visions that he didn't know anything about. We prayed about it and the Lord convicted me as a father and said, just be very careful what spirits you entertain because they may not affect you, but they'll go after your children. So that's when my wife and I had to draw a tighter circle around our family and say, we're not going to do this because it might make me go to hell, but it's going to affect my kids. And I'm here to let every parent know, every young person know, Satan's not going to win this fight. I'm here to declare war in the Holy Ghost. He's come too late. I said he's come too late. 
Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost. There is a Holy Ghost in fire that Satan is terrified of. That all you've got to do, you don't have to do anything complicated, but you just got to lift up your hands and say, God, let the fire fall in my life. Let the Holy Ghost in fire fall in my life. I wonder if everybody else would gather in behind this crowd right here of young people. And I wonder if we could partner in the Holy Ghost and have a move of unity generational unity and say God let the Holy Ghost and fire fall upon our children our teenagers our young adults let your spirit fall in the name of Jesus Christ come on parents come on gather in here lay your hand on a young person grab a hold of a young person Lay your hand on them and let the fire fall in this place. This is where the fire falls. This is where the fire falls. Hallelujah, Jesus. Fire 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do something by faith right now. I feel such an unction of the Lord. I feel like we have, and it, it has nothing to do with me, but I feel like we're right in the vein of God's heartbeat right now. Amen, amen, amen. This church knows how to pray. This church knows how to war in the Spirit. This church knows, man, this church knows everything there is to know about going in, going in the Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit of the Lord. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to pull out that sword that you have, that sword of the Spirit. I'm going to ask us to do something right now. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith over this house right now. There's young people, just as I've laid hands on several, they haven't told me anything, but I know just laying hands on them, I can feel that spirit, that spirit of anxiety and stress. And what the Lord is, has helped me to understand, it's not me, it's what the Lord has helped me to understand, is that many of these young people are gifted of God. They are gifted of God. Let me just stop and explain something real fast, okay? That some of you young ladies and you young men, the reason why you may have thoughts that are so completely, I mean, abnormal to who you are. There's some young ladies in this room. I mean, you're, you're, you're no taller than five foot. And you don't weigh more than 100 pounds and you would not hurt a fly. But yet you've had thoughts of suicide. That's not you. I want you to know what, what's happening. You're feeling the discerning of spirits and you are feeling the spiritual environment of your area you're feeling the spirits in your school ah. <laughs> some of you young men you have thoughts that are completely ad abnormal to your makeup and who you are you're picking up on the spiritual atmosphere of your area those thoughts are not your thoughts but the enemy wants to deceive you and make you think it's you it's not you God has gifted you because you're living in the last days. Amen. So we're going to pray, and I want to pray the prayer of faith. This church is very, very familiar with the prayer of faith. And I'm going to end this prayer by saying, in the name of Jesus. And I've just paused the music for just a moment because everybody in this room, from the platform to the back, when I say the words, in the name of Jesus, I want you to let out a voice of spiritual warfare. And I want you to let every dark spirit that has come against our children know we're not playing games. You are not having our babies. You are not having our children. You are not taking our family. You are not dividing our family. And so when I say that some of you have maybe never tapped into that type of prayer of intercession and travail and spiritual warfare, but it's going to come upon you as soon as I say in the name of Jesus, if you'll open yourself up to it, a spirit of intercession, travail and spiritual warfare will come upon you. You will speak in a tongue and you'll even know it. Some of you will say, I've never spoken in that tongue before. It's going to be a tongue of warfare. It is going to be a spiritual warfare tongue. 
tongue in the Holy Ghost. So when you hear me say in the name of Jesus, I want you to lift up your hands and just begin to let out your voice unto God. And all of a sudden, that spirit of travail is going to hit you and you're going to go to war for just a moment. If you're ready, I just want you to lift up your hands all over this house for just a moment. All over this house, lift up your hands and get ready to lift up your voice. And when I say those words, I want you to open your spirit to the sword of the spirit by the authority of the word of God Lord I condemn every dark spirit from hell every lying spirit of deception I push back the darkness from our children and I release you in the gift of faith right now in the name of Jesus Lift up your voice and speak with other tongues. I release you in the Holy Ghost. I release you in the Holy Ghost. Now. That's it, that's it. Some of you are tapping into it for the first time. Some of you are tapping into it for the first time. Release that prayer. Release that Holy Ghost prayer. Speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I feel something's breaking in the Holy Ghost right now. Something's breaking in the Holy Ghost right now. Perfect love casts out fear. The anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. Every chain be broken. Every shackle be loosed. There is freedom where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is deliverance where the Spirit of Jesus is. Come on, come on, come on. Something's breaking in the atmosphere. Something's breaking in the atmosphere. I speak to this environment. Let there be light. Let there be light in the evening time. Let there be light in the evening time.
let there be light where there is addiction let there be light where there is suicide let there be light where there is anxiety let there be let there be let there be light in the holy ghost